everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. All right, Lake Mount Young Adults, thanks for joining us today, wherever you're listening from. Uh, we're thankful. I am about to burst because uh, I have a co- chance to have an incredible conversation with two just incredible legends of this house, just gifts of this house, honestly. Um, and if you guys don't know young adults, like we are a part of a church family with people from all generations that love us, believe in us, and want to invest in us. So just... Yeah, know that. Um, but today I have Peggy and Pastor Heather with us. Just a quick little introduction, both absolute legends. Um, Peggy is a recognized prophet in this house, someone who has a track record of, of yeah, just representing the, the voice of God um, in different situations and just someone that we honor significantly in this house. Um and someone who sees what God's doing in this generation. So we're just thankful for her, thankful for her voice. Um, and we get to pull some, some wisdom and some heavenly perspectives from her today. So, so stoked, so thankful. And then we have Pastor Heather, who is the pastor of Alpha, the best. I mean, that, that could be a whole other podcast, but Alpha is the best. And also someone who's done a lot of homework with the history of this land of Grimsby of this house that we're in um, and a lot of really important information that we need to know to recognize the, I guess like spiritual legacy and inheritance that we carry as members of this body. Um, so both really powerhouse legends in the kingdom um, and, a, and a storehouse of information for the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is um so a little biased because it's something that, that, that I'm so passionate about and I hope this kind of rubs off on you as well. But we're going to talk about revival and um, Heather's got so much insight, so much history about revival that we're going to dig into later today. And um, yeah, Peggy's just got a, her incredible stories too and also hopeful, hopeful to bring in a prophetic edge to this conversation as well. So how's that for an intro? <laughs> yeah so any anything to mention before we start any kind of notes from you any thoughts that are coming up from either of you guys as we jump in well i'm first of all this is great to be here and to share what god has done and i i want to just say that uh, something happened deep within me about 17 years ago yeah. when on a sunday afternoon i'm looking over at heather and smiling on a sunday afternoon we took the opportunity to come down to we didn't even know where we were going we had just moved here and um we knew that church was on fire. We knew God had been up to something. And I had no sense, though, of the past Mm -hmm. and thus not so much sense of where this was all going. And so on a Sunday afternoon, we were invited. I don't know if there's five of us, something like that. Might not have been your biggest group, but wow, what a time. And it was great 
to hear, to see pictures. You had them on your wall in your home. And we found out we were in almost at the lake shore. We realized we were literally standing where God had visited. That was so amazing. But there was more to come. And, And I think how it links to today is the whole crescendo for me was we came under a tree. There was a young adult, young gentleman with mm-hmm. us. And we stood under that tree and you looked at us, Heather, and you said, this tree was here right. when that move of God came. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't one of those like, oh, if the tree could talk. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, wow, it was such a moment. And then it was at that point that the prophecy was shared mm-hmm. and it just came into my spirit. It's not something I think about every day, every week, every month, but mm-hmm. in a conversation with you, Louis, just yes. uh, about two months ago, yeah. woo, it all came back. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to be here today. God's so up to something. <laughs> you should see the gleam in Peggy's eyes as she says, <laughs> God is up to something. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. For me, my love of history started when I was a kid and we just go I'm sure it was my mom who was tired of us being in the house in the summer would send us on these historical tours downtown Grimsby and I loved hearing the stories of this building was used as a doctor's office and this building was the first generation of this family and then when as I got older and learned about revival history to learn that God resides in places and to learn that um, we have such a rich legacy here in Grimsby of Mm -hmm. revival and the presence of God. And then to find out that I could live in such a place was just amazing. So that's where I started with this history. So just throw us in the deep end. What happened in 1868, was it? Uh, 1869. So okay, going back before then, <laughs> even, um, like just getting the idea of the community of the time. It was a dark place in this area. Just there was a lot of um, construction and a lot of like the canals were being built and different things. And they would call it not the best spiritual climate. Mm-hmm. Let's go with that. Right. Wow. Um, and But in that era, there was these Methodist circuit rites circuit riders that would go from house to house just preaching the word of God. Mar- Heather, just what's a circuit rider? <laughs> I love this. This a is great. Horse? A circuit rider would be a Methodist preacher, and he would go on his horse from community to community. And the circuit in this area was from Niagara Falls to Ancaster. Mm-hmm. So he would go from place to place, and these people were ones they're Methodists. They sought after the holiness of the Lord. And they, they're, they're, the churches at the time were Presbyterian, Anglican, and loved Jesus, but didn't have a value for the holiness of the Lord and the, and the presence of the Lord. Mm. So they would go from place to place just preaching, marrying people, baptizing kids. But there was a need for community. So the last 10 days of August, they would come together in various places just to worship the Lord. They would come mm-hmm. in one accord on their horse and buggies from mm-hmm. all over. It would take an hour, a couple hours to get down to wherever they were holding those meetings. So it actually it was 1859. I got my date wrong. <laughs> but in 1859, there was a gentleman named John Bouslaw. 
So his his homestead's still on Highway 8 in Grimsby. He, the, the camp, no, not the camp, the board of directors, not even that. It's a Methodist. I don't know who they were. But they, they, they met at his house and said, we need to meet. We need to have a tent meeting. And he said, I have just the place for you. So they got into the back of the horse and buggy and walked the horses down to Grimsby Beach. Mm. And John Boxall said, if this is for the work of the Lord, you can have it. So it was a huge marker of generosity because it would have been a land full of timber and construction work was happening all over. So he gave of the most expensive land so that God's work could happen on the shores of Grimsey Beach. So for 16 years, they would have revival tent meetings on the shores for the ten, last 10 days in August. It started with prayer, though. Before they even chose the land, the, the men all knelt before the Lord and say, God, use us for your service. And then before the tent meeting came out, the new, there was notices in the newspaper even that said, we call you to fast and pray for the work of the Lord that will happen the end of August. So before anything started, they were praying and fasting for, the, for revival to take place in the land. Was there any significance, Heather, to the fact that it was right on the lake? Could, did some people come by water? That was years later. Whoa. But the first, 10 year, first 16 years was horse and buggy. But in 1875, things got a little bit more developed, and trains would stop, and people would be just dumped off because there was no train station. They would just hop off the train at Grimsby Beach, and then boats would come through the later 1800s. Boats would come from Buffalo, from Toronto, and they would come, and people would come just to worship the Lord. So, so tent meetings from these circuit riders coming in, Right by Grimsby Beach. So one word you use there, um, revival tent meetings. When we use the word revival, what are we referring to? Well, I'll start as if I were a dictionary. (laughs) Probably um, we think about revival as breathing on on something that was either very um, desperately needing breath um, or that which had actually died. And uh, there's uh, Old Testament pictures of that. Ezekiel 37, Valley of Dry Bones, speak over it, prophesy. But actually, when I think about revival, I've been thinking about revival the whole time you were talking, but I'm thinking about revival about last Sunday here in church. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, Lord. Are we? And so I, I boil it down to power and presence. Yes. But you've got something that you dis- discovered. You're the discoverer in our midst. So tell us what was it, John Piper? Yeah, I read a quote from John Piper. I want to hear it. That says, in the history of the church, the term revival in the, its most biblical sense has meant a sovereign work of God in which the whole region of many churches many Christians, has been lifted out of spiritual indifference and worldliness into conviction of sin, earnest desires for more of Christ and His Word, boldness and witness, purity of life, loss of conversions, joyful worship, renewed commitment to missions. You feel God has moved here. Wow. It's so wonderful. Yeah. And I like the idea that it's 
the whole region. Because if we look back at Guernsey Beach Revival, it was the whole region and beyond. Like people would come from Toronto and Buffalo. There'd be thousands of people that would come every summer. If I remember correctly, there was in the later years the temple. There was a temple that was built down on the beach, and it would hold seven thousand people. At a time where Grimsby's population, I think, was about two thousand. So it just says how many people would come. I mean, that was in the later years where things weren't just about revival anymore. wasn't just about worship. There was speakers in elocution. There's how to be a good wife, how to be a good husband. It changed. It changed. Tone in a lot of ways, but they still dedicated the last ten days in August fully to Christ. So I'm thinking about that word sovereign um, because we, I think we almost need to be careful with that word because sovereign could mean I can just sit back and do nothing, and something might, or maybe it won't. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's not going to involve us, but. I heard such a combination, sovereign, mm. but prepared for. Mm. Yeah. Sovereign and prepared for. So kind of God extending his grace, but we have to receive it. And do something. Faith actions, mm. but not earning. Well, my, my. <laughs> yeah. Not gaining points, mm. but faith action. Yeah, actions motivated by hunger for for more of him that come, comes from faith, yeah. So going back to the history piece now, so we left off um, before we started talking more about kind of the, the broader definition of revival. So circuit riders, tent meetings, this horses. was mid, horses. yeah, horses. <laughs> this is mid-1800s. Yeah. And so going towards the 1900s, what was, yeah, what was happening there? I just want to talk a little bit about right. the founder of Grizzly Beach, Noah Phelps. Yeah. He's my favorite guy. When they talk about who would you like to meet when you die and go to heaven, this is one of them for me, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. He um, grew up in the Welland area. So he grew up with the shipbuilders, with the canal builders. Um, he was a, very much a skeptic in his young adult years because he saw just saw a lot of poverty, saw a lot of hurting people and wasn't sure what to do with it. So, but in his 30s, that's when he got, when he was 30 years old, that's when he got converted to Jesus and Mm -hmm. gave his life to him. And he spent his whole life loving Jesus from that point on. And he had such a desire to see people come together to worship. He had such a desire for the presence of God. He was known as a man of prayer. Like he would be up before anybody and he would go to bed after everybody had left. His tent was always open. If you needed to encounter the presence of God, you could go anytime to Noah's tent and just pray together and worship together. And he would encourage, they said people would often come for the richer baptism of the Holy Spirit in his tent. Like that's what he would, this is before Azusa Street. Like we talk about Azusa Street as like the history of Pentecostal. Pentecostalism. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't know about that, Google it. <laughs> yeah. But this is in 1859 where people would, they would talk about being um, slain in the spirit in 1859, about the presence of God being so thick in the room that they couldn't stand up, or so thick wow. in the tent, I should say. <laughs> um, but he was, 
I picture him kind of like Moses because he wasn't just, he was very much for the presence of God, but he was also a businessman. Mm. Yeah, because people would meet him on the train and say all the wrong things that was going on and he would operate out of wisdom and give direction. He would go from a business meeting to a prayer meeting and he would be the same person in both places. He was a man of integrity. There's just so many good things about him that I want to meet him. Heather, Heather, stop right there. So it wasn't just reverend? Somebody and those were the ones? He was a layman. He was not a pastor at all. And did I read somewhere, maybe something that you may have pointed me toward, that he was also one of the financiers. Mm. Puts quite a bit of investment. Possibly. I don't remember this. Okay. Sorry. Well, maybe <laughs> I'm moved into fiction suddenly. <laughs> oh, no, I just, I just don't remember, so I don't okay. want to say yes without. Right. I'm glad. Thank yes. you. <laughs> now, I have to say at this point, boy, it's so exciting because before we moved into the area, there were some specifics God told us about. But before we signed on the dotted line, um, we had part of our intercessory team because, again, God associates himself with places that has already been established in this podcast our conversation god chooses places and so here we were we'd already come from the west to the prairies to ontario and sometimes i'd walk out and go which license plate is on our car this year (laughs) but indeed um we ended up We live in Beamsville. Come on. We live in Beamsville. Exit 64. We got it, you know, (laughs) and living in Beamsville. But when we, uh, one of our intercessors said to us, you have to live in Vineland. Hmm. And it was like, oh, I don't know. And so we went down on a rainy, cold November day and looked for property. Wrong idea. We didn't buy a thing. Uh, no, we were, were in, uh, um, I'm looking over at my husband. We lived in Brampton at the Brampton, time. Okay. We yeah. were um, on our way, though, and already ministering um, a lot into the area. But mm-hmm. I note this because it all comes together because I want to emphasize that God's into places. Yep. And it just, oh, it just fascinates me. And I have to say, when you said Buffalo, it kind of went boom, 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 you know, in me because that means it was international. Mm. Part of something international right then at the get-go. So we finally have a prophet, a friend, come from Sri Lanka, point at some houses in Grimsby, and say, you need to find out who bought, who built those. Okay. And it was like, or you need to maybe buy there. It was like, <laughs> trouble is, she was well camouflaged. She'd keep you laughing, and then the word of God would come forth. But we couldn't ignore her. Mm-hmm. So we finally did check. And we went in, and nothing, nothing, nothing. I didn't like the closets. I didn't like anything. <laughs> I went back, and I said, well, God, sorry about that, but I'm not your girl this time, you know? And so then we drove back to Brampton. I was fixing dinner, and I looked over, and Jack had laid um, a brochure, a property description on the counter. And I said, where'd you get that? He said, well, at that place that Melanie sent us to, 
I said, I want to live there. And I saw it and instantly. So we came down and um, the next day I made arrangements. After church, we came down. And when we went to sign on the dotted line, everybody that probably is hearing this already knows this, but we didn't know it. Um, the gentleman from the, um, the builders society, the builders company, he said to us, he said, you'll start noticing it said Lincoln. And I said, I thought we were living in Beamsville. Hmm. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, it's three. They've come together. Right. I said, what three? And he said, well, and as soon as he said Vineland, I was like, sign now. You know, why Vineland? Because there was going to be a subsequent move of God in the area. Mm -hmm. So you're telling us about this wow of the 18. So I guess God chooses people. He chooses places, and he chooses times. Mm. Wow. And so in Vineland was some of the early Pentecostal revival. So right, not that far from our house. Hmm. And thank you, Terry Bone, who took us on part of that tour. But right in Vineland, two ladies, two, Mm, one, two, two. Right. Went into Toronto, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Koramande, koramande. Came home speaking in tongues. Yeah. Got home, yeah. opened their house, and the house began to fill up wow. with the presence and the person. Yeah. And that's the beginning of the Pentecostal church. And then the Pentecostal churches from Toronto, there must be an anointing to gather that's oh. heavy on this area. Yeah. Because then Pentecostal churches from Toronto used to come out to have a camp. Uh-huh. And that was okay. so many years later. So, but I, I've got one more and I'm going to burst. I don't know whether to say it now. Shall I burst now? Because it wasn't until later that I found out. So here's the deal. Yeah. We own property where God moved in the early 1900s. In the Pentecostal revival. And our home was built. (laughs) Yeah. By the family of Mr. Phelps. Wow. And so every every day when I walk in my house, there's a continuation of what God has already done. And I don't take that for granted, you guys. I just think... I have a notion yeah. he's not done. And then you brought That's something right. else which right. is coming here. But it was like, oh my. Yeah. That's who built this house, his offspring. We just it was just a word on a brochure That's that a right. prophet from Sri Lanka told us about. Come on. Come on. And there we are. We live there. That's us. And it's, it's now. That's right. It's so important, especially, you know, in a, in a generation where we've grown up as individualists, you know, let's maverick this. So important to have that paradigm shift of recognizing we're, we're part of a bigger story. And as Christians are grafted into a story that's beyond ourselves, that's bigger than just us, where we have the privilege of being grafted into this, this move, um, but it's not just about us. We have to recognize this, the bigger story of what God is doing here in this place. So thank you for sharing that. It's, it's, it's an important paradigm shift, I think, mm-hmm. for, for us as um, yeah, young adults in this generation.
Yeah. So you mentioned um, that the Pentecostal revival. So if was that word Pentecostal something that was used in the mid-1800s or did that start in the 1900s? Pretty sure that started with Azusa Street in okay. 1906. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Um, Back to the, the, the tent meetings thing. So, yeah, Tort, so Noah Phelps was the one that facilitated those? Yes. He's and, the visionary behind it. Yeah. And the, then the practical detail outworking. He was the president of the board. Yeah. So he spent his summers there ministering in his tent, but mm-hmm. also making sure that the grounds were kept up. And, oh my goodness... Heather, say it again. It wasn't, he wasn't even reverend. No, he wasn't. Wow. Uh, don't we have an LMI program at this church or something? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, just, it really does speak to the fact that we are all called to revival. Yeah, we don't need a pastor's degree or Bible college credits. Yeah. Yeah. We're all called to it. When I stepped into Bible school, I am a four-year grad of Bible school. Come on, I am ready. God can use those ordained. people too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Phew. But what I'm why I brought it out was we had people from the early Pentecost still alive. Well maybe they were very young. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not that old. Okay, so they came into the Bible school and they would look at us. Come on, and we were a mess. My generation were the hippies, okay? Mm-hmm. We were a mess. You know, our skirts were way too short and our hair was way too long and it was bad. It was so bad. Yeah. And they would look at us and then they would just, you could see it. It was all over them. Oh, God. And they're going to take over the kingdom. <laughs> and you could see it. And something came into my heart then. Now, we're talking about this is the not the 18, the 19, (laughs) mid-60s and late-60s. And I said to God, I will be a part of the move of God. I have not arrived too late. No. And so I just, I don't, I hadn't even thought about that before coming in today, but but this timing deal of right now, I mean, if you had have come up to me when I was in Bible school and said, and behold, it shall be that, you know, in 50 some years, behold, thou shalt live. I would have said, that's yeah. crazy. But there was, there's something that God intends. People, places, right. times, investments. Mm. So I've got this big thing on my heart. Hmm. Do you think, Heather, because that's your deal, do you think they might have prayed prayers then that haven't yet been answered? I believe Peggy wants me to read a prophecy right now, (laughs) is what I'm getting at in this. So there's um, Noah's niece, Harriet Phelps Yeomans, wrote a book in 1901. Mm, and, and this and is it, available on the internet. You can it's available on the internet. Yeah. Yes, Jesse's also Jesse's my husband. Yeah, he also printed a few copies, and we're going to okay. try to print some more. So we'll okay. see if we can get those in hands of people. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, just poetic stories. People, the way people wrote in the 1900s is just it's beautiful. So much description of what God did, of the community at the time, 
of the people involved, the mm. characters. They call one the prodigal son who only spoke German, another mm. lady who gave horrible peppermints. So there's like just some great stories as well as the story as a whole of the Grimsby yeah. campground. Yeah. But when she wrote this, the Grimsby campground was on the decline from spiritual matters. Hmm. So it went from being this amazing community that sole desire was mm. to see the presence of God in their lives, yeah. to worship the Lord, right. to a place where it's become more about amusement and entertainment mm. and filling the summer with things to do. Yeah. For I mean, it was still a beautiful place to be, and they still had Sunday services were the same. The Methodist rules were still in place where there was no drinking, card playing, laundry on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, in general speaking, that it had gone to an amusement park, more like atmosphere. Yeah. So when she wrote this book, she talked about her uncle being devastated about this because mm. he felt like all of the work he had done was in vain, not knowing that two to 300 churches sprung up from this. I think I'm exaggerating. Wow. Sorry. 60 to 70 churches. Still amazing. Still, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting my yeah. stats all mixed up. Because mm -hmm. he would go out and preach in different places. Again, a layman would mm -hmm. preach in different places and two to 300 people would be converted at his messages in mm -hmm. other places. Mm -hmm. So the legacy that Noah Phelps laid down he didn't do it by himself. There were other pastors and lay ministers mm -hmm. that came together, whether it was preaching or whether just sweeping out the tents. Before the camp meetings began, there was a lot of work to do. And right. they all came together. It didn't matter if, again, if you had four years of Bible college or if you were a layman, you got a, you got a broom in your hands and you're right. going to sweep out the tents and you're right. going to dig out the wells and you're going to make sure that the horses have stuff to, to eat. Mm. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Um, but at this time, things were costing money. It wasn't free anymore. Mm -hmm. Hospitality had kind of waned where it became more of a business transaction. Mm -hmm. it, you had to pay to get into the park rather than it just being free. Hmm. All of those things were outlaid at the beginning as let's keep this going. Let's keep the move of God going. But instead mm -hmm. of just trusting the Lord in everything, mm -hmm. it became more of a business over time. I almost wish we could have stopped the podcast a few minutes ago and just gone, glory, glory, hallelujah. But this is so important. Right. Yeah. Take heed. Take mm. heed. I hear it so strong. Keep going, please. So I say all that Good. to kind of set us up for how Harriet finishes the book. She yeah. finished the book with a vision for the future for Grimsby Park. And I say for yes. Grimsby and the Niagara region. We'll just put it all yeah. up there. Yeah. So I'm gonna, it's a bit long, so I'm going to read it. Yeah. So like the rest of the world, Grimsby Park stands upon the threshold of a new century. Mm -hmm. The prophets tell us that in spite of the dark clouds which hang low over the moral moral horizon in some quarters, in spite of the angry passions which seem so rampant among the nations, and the selfishness which dominates the business world, the coldness which devitalizes the church in some places, the world is about to enter upon a period of peacefulness and great spiritual awakening. The arm of the Lord is still powerful to allay the turbulent passions of men and nations and electrify with renewed fervor the fainting spirits of the faithful. Mm. 
Hmm. When that time of peace comes, and when we have learned to turn expectant eyes towards the heavens, when God's people are ready for the spiritual uplifting, which is to place them on the higher plane of life, of living, which we hope lies before us again in the near future of Grimsby Park. Sorry. Grimsby Park will again resound with songs and hallelujahs. The mother will pause in the midst of her loving servitude to listen to the joyful sound of the temple services. The youth and maidens spinning along together over the shaded roadways will not be ashamed to acknowledge to each other that the world is beautiful, life is sweet, and above all that God is very good. The man of business will gladly turn from the incessant pursuit of wealth to listen to the voices in his soul. Holiness to the Lord will be the theme of every sermon, the burden of every song. The children will overflow the front seats in the great congregation, their tender eyes lifting confidingly to the faces bending lovingly over them, and the music of their voices will be the sweetest note in all the swelling anthem of praise. Grimsby Park has a noble past which these imperfect pages have utterly failed to depict. A present which is in perfect harmony with the trend of the times and full of promise. And a future we venture to predict will combine all the enjoyments and privileges of the present with a spiritual zeal and devotion which will surpass even that of the old times. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Surpass that of the old times. There's a piece in there. Um, youthful maiden spinning along. Can you read that part again? I think that's that's relevant. <laughs> the youth and maiden spinning along together over the shaded roadways will not be ashamed to acknowledge to each other that the world is beautiful and life is sweet and above all that God is very good. Yeah. Not be ashamed to declare the goodness of God. That's right. Isn't that, isn't that something? So that was... That was what you read under that tree for us 17 years ago or so. And it was, it actually was, you handed it, you handed those papers to a young man who was that age. And I stood there and it locked into my spirit. Do you remember who that young man was? I do. Okay. I do. Um, I do know who he is. He doesn't live in the area now though. Um, He's going to school. I think, no, he's finished. He's going, he's working. Out of the area. It's Rosa's so, son. But do you know this part? No, I think I need to find this out. I did not get to this part. So there's a gentleman involved in the creating of Grimsby Beach is David Hauser, which is a relation huh. to this young Hauser. David Hauser? Yeah. So it was his great, 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 great uncle or something oh. like that. He did not know this. <laughs> wow. Well, I I know what happened to me that day was I'll, I thought, Lord, there is a generation right. coming that's going to be raised up. And I love to hear about the children, but it was the young people. It was mm. the young adults. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like that's that's now. That's you. That's what happens in this building like last night, that's right now, that that's that generation. And I feel like God is, you know, if I even wondered, because we were, you know, we were all set to come together today and timing. And so God Sunday timing. night was, interna- it was the evening of our international Sunday. And there was a panel and the last speaker, hear it. 
anyone listening to this hear this? So it's Terry Bone, next to the last, next to the last speaker. And Terry, he just gives a report on Bangladesh. He gives a report on faraway places. And he, he stopped and he said, and now, <laughs> as under such a, you know, it was just slipped it in there, uh, kind of like holy greasy, you know, right in that <laughs> moment, slipped it in. And, and he said, if you're 30 years or younger in this room, get ready, because what God's yes. about to do, you are vital to it. You will experience it. And <laughs> I almost just got up and started dancing on my chair. I thought, we're going to talk about that on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> but there you've got it. We're right there. Right we're right there. there. So here's the question. We've talked a bit about the history of, of Grimsby. We've talked a bit about what's clear spiritually. There's an invitation for this generation to be a part of a significant move of God. And so my question for the both of you guys is having talked about kind of both those elements, if you're to kind of draw some themes out of it, like how can we be a part of what God is doing? Obviously God is sovereign, but you know, if, if we're hungry for this, like what do we do with that hunger? How do we be a part of this? What do we do with this hunger that's being stirred in us? I'm writing out a question for Heather. Can't wait to talk to her about it. But I'd love to answer that because I started circling stuff. Um, there are no formulas for revival. That's where we lean into that sovereignty. But there's something to be gleaned from looking at how God has done it in the past mm -hmm. because there are significant principles right. and there are elements mm -hmm. to it. So I would I have listed these, um, that prayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's no way getting around right. it. Those who study revival mm -hmm. actually have said there's never been a move of God. And if people think, well, Jesus showed up, was anybody praying? You know, it's almost Christmas time. We could say, just go to Anna. She's in the temple all her life. She's probably now over 80, and she's been there the whole time. And she's praying in mm -hmm. the hour, the birth of the Christ. That's another exciting message <laughs> from the Bible. Okay, but these there's prayer, yeah. but there's keenly the prophetic. Mm. Like we've heard that today, what John Piper refers mm -hmm. to, how, you know, like these people that did they, did they know? I think that's burning on my heart. Would they even have guessed the dimension and, mm -hmm. and yet... We can have a sense of the Spirit because the Spirit takes the flashlight and shows us the pieces right. and how they come together. So when our friend from Sri Lanka said, you know, you need to find out, go to that house. I don't like that house. I don't like how they, but go to that house. You'll get a brochure. She didn't say, and right. you'll get a brochure and you'll end up living there. But we did. God did. And we live there. Right. So there's something about the prophetic However, that prophetic also draws us to previous moves. And if I understand correctly, when Holy Spirit moved into this church, yes. uh, and Terry Bone, Terry and Melissa were pastoring at the time, 
Uh, it was before Pastor Matt would have come as as youth youth guy, if I dare say that. I, I honor him so highly, it feels funny yeah. to say it that way. But in that, um, there was somebody that came Bob to Jones. speak. Yeah, came yeah. to speak and mm-hmm. said, "There's some there's some well mm-hmm. in the area that must be redug." Yeah. He said, the secret to your ministry lies in the late 1850s. <laughs> and he said, the anointing doesn't evaporate. It hides under the rocks and trees. Oh, would you read that again? Saying, the anointing doesn't evaporate. It hides under the rocks and trees. What I am saying is that the prayers prayed and the promises made in a certain location don't just disappear after a while. They don't fade away or lose their power. They remain in the spiritual atmosphere waiting for their fulfillment, waiting for someone to pick them up. Come on. Oh, my. And that prophetic word was again confirmed by a different prophet that came through. His name was Bobby Connors. And what he said, he had no idea what happened in 1859, but he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. That was the verse that he had for Terry for Lakemont at the time. And that was the very first message preached in 1859. That was the passage from that, that I hear the sound of the abundant rain. Mm -hmm. So just those two things are massive confirmations. So just to clarify, timing wise, this brings us to the mid-90s. 1995. 1995 now, okay. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about, more from that era of the birth of this house and, and this, yeah, any, yeah. I wasn't here in 1995. Right. So that's a little harder to talk about, but I have heard so many stories Mm. of what happened. I remember Pastor Terry saying how hungry he was for something more. He was a pastor here and heard something was going on in Toronto, the Mm. Toronto Airport Church, also known as Vineyard Movement back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And so he went there. I I love how this happens. He went there and was filled with the Holy Spirit and came back and there was a picnic planning meeting here and there was just a few individuals there and the Holy Spirit fell in this picnic where they just opened with, you know how you pray before a meeting, God bless this meeting, help us be wise Mm, and the Holy Spirit fell. But what I just remembered is the weeks before that, the Holy Spirit was already falling on the kids here at the church. That's where it began, the, just more the revival of the heart movement wow. here happening in the 1990s. So God's bigger than time, but he uses time. So we're gathered here in the, almost to the end of 2023. And there has been such a sense of a, of a rising tide. Absolutely. Uh, oh, so much so. And I, I just want to say, there was a phrase that was used in the, the prophecy uh, by uh, Mr. Phelps' niece that was, they'll lift expectant eyes. And woo, that got so big when you said it, Heather, because I thought, are my eyes? And if my eyes are expectant eyes, what do I... Where do I look? What do I do? You know, do I look at the QEW and just see? Because you said it was like, not so, not so, 
It was dark. It was dark when the revival came, when they began to sense, when they came. And, and um, like, I'd love to be able to say that we're such a holy place that we've earned God's attention, the whole community. But yet, God has been dealing so that we will be a people of expectation. If we need to repent, we repent. Repentance, holiness, If we need yeah. to... To stop, we stop. If we need to start, we start. If we haven't been involved with our money, we need to know that our money mm. matters, what we invest in. Yes, if, 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 if we've been discounting our own story, I think yeah, you referred to that. If we've been missing our own story as part of the story, that's so important. So, wow, expectant eyes. So we've gone all the way from... Right, horses riding on horse. You know, no, not horses riding. Yeah, people horse. riding on horses, <laughs> <laughs> carrying Bibles. I think. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. To yeah. last Sunday night, you know, mm-hmm. just right in, right here, just a, a few yards from where we're sitting right now, and and God declaring it. So, I'm voting yes. Yeah, saying yep, saying yes to the Lord and what He's, what He's doing. And so, interesting note, too, it's, I think we're coming, 1995, that comes up to almost 30 years since the, the, that outpouring in, in Toronto, almost, and the, the birth of Lake Mount as, as we, we know it. Just, yeah, timeline-wise. So, we've gone through a couple hundred years, um, and I think among those, that, that the prophecy, I, I think, for, for Pastor Terry there, um, when you read that, I was like, so my question with that is based on what you've read so far, what you've learned, Heather, about the history of revival, um, about, you know, what, what, what's available to us. Yeah. If you have, if you can give a word to young adults, um, and I know you have young adult children, if you can give a word to your children, young adults, how can we grab hold of what's available to us as a part of this family? What would you say to them? That is a big question. <laughs> Thanks, Louis. Um, one thing that when you say that, that resonates in me, something that Pastor Matt's been saying the last little while is that yeah. God resides in the dark. Mm. So the world is dark, but our God is bigger. That's so right. Don't lose sight of God's residing in the dark. And another thing that just keeps... Revival can start with one person, but get on your knees and pray and believe that God can move through your prayers too. Like it doesn't, don't rely on the prayers of other people. Don't rely on the prayers of people who have gone before you. They Mm. pave a way, but you are important. Mm -hmm. God wants to hear your voice in this matter. Yes. Wants you to be invested in this. He wants Mm -hmm. you to be a catalyst for change in your own generation. Yes. That's what's resonating in my heart right now come on yeah what about you peggy what would you say um in terms of tapping into what's available to us as young adults i don't do you have grandchildren young adult grandchildren are they young adults yet they are yeah so what would you say to your grandchildren that gener our generation that when somebody was praying god decided you were going to be part of the answer mm, right. whoa tell me more about that 
Well, I just remember a moment because my husband, Jack, comes from a part of British Columbia mm-hmm. uh, that was visited with revival. And uh, I mean, like Matt, if they had been making videos and doing podcasts, it would have been on them. You know, it was just so powerful. But we one day, uh, Jack took me home up up the road to um, the um, the cemetery, <laughs> and there was all these graves that um, people had put their test. The families obviously put the testimony of these folks, like. Um, one of them, my favorite one, was his last message, <laughs> and it gave the scripture. <laughs> and so we're just standing there, and I just, oh, my goodness. Oh, look at this generation. Then we left there, and we were, drove down. The river's right there, beautiful, beautiful setting. And as we drove along, I was in the back seat. Our daughter was in the front seat with her dad, and, and I looked out. And there were raspberries along the road. <laughs> now, raspberries do not grow naturally in that area. And I said, stop the car, Jack. <laughs> he stopped the car. I opened the door. I leaned out. And I picked those raspberries. And I said, you know what? I think Grandpa Kennedy walked down this road praying for his children's children. <laughs> I'm in this car today with his children's children's children. And... I'm going to eat this because somebody planted that, and I will partake of the fruit of it. Mm. So I'm really into the fact that somebody prayed, and, and God is raising up the somebodies to get involved in the answer to their prayers. Mm. I and will partake. I think that yeah. one of them, Heather, might be right here in the room with you and me. I, I've got it figured out. I've got it figured out. And they'll be listening to this, and they'll be there on the Monday nights, and not just the Monday nights. But, wow, it's so exciting to have a God like ours. Yeah. I love that. I will partake. I will. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just incredible. Like, how can We've you got one more. Hungry? We've got one more. Oh, We've got one more. Yeah. Because we don't want to forget it. And I had to verify it because yes. uh, Madam Verifier is with us yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. So, next time any of us drive down the QE, we're coming this way. And it's before the Casablanca exit. Of course, the gateway, the gateway, the gateway. <laughs> oh, at the gateway. Check the roof. Check the roof of the gateway. And I dare you, dare you, once you see it, you'll never forget it. It's intentionally, and, and Madam Verifier verified it, it was intentionally constructed to be as the tabernacle roof of the revival of the previous generations. There it is. It's, it's silent. Mm-hmm. But it shouts out, mm-hmm. God can do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. God can do it again. Why is it important for us to long for that? What, what is so significant about revival that, that we, we should long for it? If you can put words to that. It's a person. It's not just power. It's not posturing. It's not so somebody else can write a book, although books will be written. Mm -hmm. But 
but it's a person. It's Jesus. Yeah, that's right. He's so he's so worthy to be pursued with, and he's pursuing us as we pursue him. There's so much more that's available to us of him, of Jesus. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, and so I want to kind of summarize what we've talked about so far and um, set us up for, for a hard question I'm going to ask you. <laughs> I just, you're good, you're good. Um, so we've talked about the history of, of Grimsby. We've talked about what is revival. We've talked about you know, what are some things that, that we need to get in line with to be a part of what God is doing. Um, and one question I have for you is, prophetically, what do you see God doing in this young adult generation? In addition to everything we've talked about, is there, yeah, anything else you're noticing prophetically about this generation currently that's young adult? I'm going to go to the scripture yes. for just a moment with that. And yeah. um, when Paul was Paul was wanting to go to a particular direction, yeah. and, and it was um, he had a bunch with him, and uh, among that bunch were Luke and and uh, definitely Timothy, mm-hmm. and Timothy was young. We find that out; he was young, and he was it. You know it. it I, I, the other day I was preaching this actually, and I yeah. was acting it out with one of the young men that was in the audience that day. And I laughed. I said, don't forget. I said, they, you know, the scripture says three verses and they went to Bithynia and the spirit said no. And then they went here and then they went down to Troas. But I said, they walked. But what's interesting where they didn't go included Ephesus. You got this Timothy. Now, if Timothy had texted home and said, I don't know what it is, but I don't think this is so hot, this following after this Paul guy and, you know, I'm blah, blah, blah. But he didn't. Well, I don't think so because there's no texting. But in fact, he was two nations in one body. Hmm. He was, his mother was Greek, his father Pardon me, his father was Greek, his mother was, um, and his grandmother were Jewish. And so Paul had recognized that Timothy was two nations in one body. Mm. And here's what's amazing. Maybe that didn't matter at Philippi. Maybe that didn't matter at Corinth. But Ephesus was coming. And Mm. Ephesus, which was going to become the center of lots of activity of the Holy Spirit Mm. was the meeting place of the roads. They all came together there. Now, two things. So, who does God have ready for multinational? Timothy. Timothy. Two nations in one body. Mm. So, it didn't bother him for people to switch languages or or to be thinking worldviews to be inclusive of of other places Mm. and secondly not in our bibles but church history immediately written after our bible closes was that john the disciple so the youngest disciple Mm -hmm. is still alive goes with the young man 
and together they pastored what was one of the largest churches that would mm. cover the area, the Church of Ephesus. Wow. So, you know, to, oh, this generation is is instantly in touch. Today I had a question and, and, and somebody younger than me, because I don't think to Google. Come on, I don't think to Google. <laughs> and Google, Google, spelling Google. But I don't do that. But this individual did. And instantly everything was right there. And this generation is prepared. That has nothing to do with the guy that developed the computer and the iPhone. Wow. It's the Holy Spirit for now. And then it's it will be intergenerational. So that's why. Hmm. Don't fight me. No, never. For my, for my baton. Never. Because the Bible says hmm. the last, in the last days, it'll be an intergenerational, intergenerational move. move. In Jesus' Come name. Come on. So, so I'm older than you. And I can tell because I'm wrinkled. But... And I need you to keep my computer going. But we're in this together. Yeah. And the glory Family, awaits. Yeah. Come on. So good. So good. We're in this together. And the glory awaits. Church family. Just incredible. Um, all right. So as we wrap up, I want to go through some kind of practical next steps. If this stirs something in you, some, some steps for you to engage in. And then I'm going to ask Peggy to actually pray for all of you guys. Um, so if you are uh, a new believer in, in this season of revival, you're feeling revival in your heart, you're like, I want to know more about Jesus, I want to get plugged in, get doctrine, um, we have a course called Alpha that runs every Wednesday Alpha. that we would highly recommend you get plugged into. Can you give us a quick like 30-second plug of Alpha, Pastor Hi. Heather? I love Alpha. Yeah. I love what God has been doing there. It's a course, it's a video course. So our group on Wednesday nights, we watch a short video. We have some great food. And then we just talk about Jesus. We talk about the yes. basics of faith. Like, who is Jesus? And why did he have to die? And we look at who is the Holy Spirit. And we have a whole weekend where we just dive into who the Holy Spirit is. And we ask him to come and fill our lives. It's been a great place where people can come with lots of questions and no question is too big no question is too small and we learn together about what God can do in our lives mm -hmm. we've had some great moments where people so have learned that maybe you don't have to go beside your bed on your knees to pray but you can pray anytime like we're talking really fresh believers that are coming to know Jesus and being discipled and yeah. being grounded in the word of God and it's been really awesome I love yeah. it yeah, Wednesday night, 6.30. Um, and second piece, guys, Peggy mentioned one thing that's key, that prayer is non-negotiable to, to revival, to a move of God. Every Monday night at 6.45 to 7.15, we have pre-service prayer. That is our chance every Monday to gather as, as young adults, as friends, um, as brothers and sisters, to just call on God, ask for a move, and ask for more of Him, more of Jesus, more of His presence. Um, so really want to encourage you to come on out. Pre-service prayer every Monday night before service. That's key. Prayer is key. So, yeah. On that note, could you pray for us? Peggy? Father, what a delight. In fact, we, we just stopped to marvel afresh. God, we, we just think it's, it's amazing 
to realize that you have chosen to involve us and then you you empower us because even though we're integral, we're not capable. <laughs> oh, God, that keeps us so humble, so reliant on you. And we thank you today for the cross. We thank you for salvation. We thank you, Lord, that for those who have already believed, God, I've often thought for myself that I'm not sure I could get on a horse and go in an area and, well, not about the horse, but, you know, go into an area and, and, and plow the ground the first time. Those aren't my giftings, but I have other giftings. And those who are listening to this podcast, they are they are discovering their place, their part, yes. and they, not their superpower, that is from another kingdom. They are discovering your superpower yeah. and the place where they receive receive their portion. Father, I thank you today that there are assignments mm -hmm. that are going to be given yeah. amongst those who hear, not just those who gather on Monday night, but yes, indeed, but there are assignments. There's even assignments on this church mm -hmm. that right. are because of, but they are for the sake of as well. So, Father, we ask you today, don't let us stop too soon. Don't let us believe too little and mm -hmm. don't let yes. us give in limitation. But we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Thank you guys so much, Pastor Heather. Thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you for your investment today um, of your time, of your prayers, of your, um, of your heart into this generation. Um, and we're so excited to see what God's going to do. And we, yeah, I love you guys and thankful to be family with you guys. Like incredible grafted into this incredible family. Just so thankful. Thanks guys. And we will be back next Monday for Lake May Young Adults. So don't forget to show up at 645 for pre-service prayer. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.